Easter 2023, you made it. What do you know? Hey, I, I, are you like me? And this year, just um, if you were just if you were talking, you would say, "I just need a little bit of hope this Easter. I need a little peace that Jesus can give this Easter. I need a little bit of joy back in life. It's been it's been a tough year for a lot of people. It's been a tough few years for a lot of people, and we need to be reminded of of." Why are we even here? What, are, what is it that we're doing and, and why does it matter? But more importantly, what is it that God has done? What has Jesus accomplished that has the power to change everything in our lives? See, we have this saying that sometimes we, we use, like, I gotta see it to believe it. I heard it last night on SportsCenter. You gotta see this play to believe it. And I just wanted to say, no, you don't. How many of you have ever, with your own eyes, been to Alaska or wherever, and you saw the northern lights? You've seen it with your own eyes. Raise your hand. Like, five of us. How many of you believe there are northern lights? Like, the reality is, you don't have to see it with your own eyes to believe it. We, we've got some friends who went to Alaska, and they saw this unbelievable uh, event. It was, like, supernaturally crazy, extra, extra. And I saw it on Facebook, but so much stuff on Facebook is unbelievable that I decided I don't believe it. It's on Facebook. I'm kidding. But then our friends texted my wife that picture. That's their picture. I've never seen it with my own eyes, but I believe it's true, and I can still be in awe and wonder of creation, like, wow. We, we moved here 11 years ago from the Phoenix area, and I had a, a number of conversations in the Phoenix area that went something like this. Hey, have you ever been to the Grand Canyon? And they would say, no. And I was like, it's two hours away. Like, we went to the Grand Canyon, and I just remember standing on the edge and being struck with awe and wonder at that beauty, like, what in the world? And there I am in Phoenix having conversations with people who are like, yeah, I don't know, I just never made it up there. I'm like, it's two hours away. What are you, what, you're so close, but you're so far away. And I just wanted to take a few minutes today and say it's not enough to just be close enough to Jesus and his work it's, it's something to be believed. It's something to be received individually. And so I'm praying that you have eyes of faith today. I'm praying that you would receive today by believing so that you could experience hope beyond anything you've ever experienced, that you would be able to have peace in the middle of whatever storm you're facing, and that you could have grace and mercy beyond anything you deserve. That's why it's called grace and mercy. If you have your Bibles, grab them. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you have a smartphone, tablet, you can find, or just read on the screens with us. 1 Corinthians 15. This is a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to people in a, in a city called Corinth, a church in a place called Corinth, and Paul writes this letter of Corinthians. This is near the end of the letter, and Paul is going to make a claim for the resurrection of Jesus and how it changes everything, and it has the power for us even today to change everything for us. So I'm going to jump right in. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, Paul writes, Now, brothers and sisters, he's writing to his brothers and sisters in the faith, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, meaning they believed it, they received it, and on which you have taken your stand. Real quick, Paul is reminding people who already know this truth. It's a reminder because we can forget quickly. 
But the assumption is you already know this, you've already heard this. So in order to be reminded, you first have to be minded. So for some of you, I wanna mind you for just a minute. Jesus died for our sins and God brought him back to life and that's why we're here on Easter Sunday. That is the good news and the hope of a day like today. And I want to remind some of you and mind some of you, this is the gospel, the good news. The good news, the best news of our life is not what you and I can do. It's what God has already done on our behalf. Verse two, by this gospel, this good news, you are saved. You're saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preach to you, but listen to this warning. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. See, James tells us that the demons believe that there's a God and they even tremble, but they don't believe in such a way to surrender and have saving faith. They believe, but it doesn't draw them close. It keeps them distant. And we don't ever want to believe in vain. Look at verse three. Paul says, for what I received, Paul is saying, I received this. It changed his life. For what I received, I passed on to you as of, important words, first Importance. Would you just say those two words, first importance, with me? First importance. First importance. Priority. First importance. Look at this. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day, again, according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's another name for Peter, the apostle, and then to the twelve. Paul is, is, is building this case to say, I, I want you to know what really, really, really matters and makes all the difference. It is of first importance. If I were to ask you in life, what is of first importance? We have in a room like this online, hundreds of answers. First importance, many of us would say family. First importance, some of us would say my new car. First importance, getting good grades. First importance, being a good person. Paul says, first importance, it's not about you, it's not about me, it's about what Jesus has done. Look at this slide. First importance, Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ was raised. That is what makes all the difference in the world. Christ died, it's of first importance because something had to be done for sin in our lives. Something had to be done because what we learn in scripture is apart from Jesus, we are spiritually dead. And I don't know if you know this about dead people. They can't do anything. They can't save themselves. They can't make any circumstance better. So we have to be made alive. So Christ died so we could be made alive. Christ was buried of first importance. Why? Because back in the day when Jesus died, some people started these rumors, and they were very popular, they are to this day, that he didn't actually die on a cross, he sort of passed out from the pain, and they sort of took him off the cross, but then he woke back up. But Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The work of salvation is done, the price has been paid in full. He died and he was buried, that's important, but it doesn't stop there, that's what today is all about. Christ was raised. And Christ was raised is the power of God. It's the strength, the resurrection power of God that no circumstance is too hard for our God. Maybe I need to say that again. No circumstance is too hard for our God. Not what you're going through, not what somebody else is facing. Resurrection power means it's never too late for God to come through. You're never too far gone. You've never done too much where God's like, I'm done with you. Ever. 
Christ was raised is what gives us the confidence to keep on having hope even in a world where things can be incredibly difficult. And here's what Paul says. According to the scriptures, we know this. Christ died, Christ was buried, Christ was raised. According to scripture, he, does, he says it's not, not that it's my opinion, not what I think about it. At the end of the day, let me just be really, really, really frank. Who cares what Aaron thinks? Paul says, according to scripture, this is truth. It's truth throughout history. It's truth that doesn't change. And he says, according to the scripture, this is the story, the authority of our lives. But also he uses this interesting word that Jesus appeared. He died, he was buried, but then he was raised and he appeared. He appeared to Peter, he made himself known. Why did he appear to Peter? Because Peter had denied him once. Not, no, twice. Three times and Jesus comes and appears to Peter to restore him. He appears to the 12. Uh, an appearance means you behold it. Like northern lights. Like the Grand Canyon. Even if you haven't been there, you believe it because you've seen pictures. You've heard others tell the story. He appeared to them. But look at the next verse. It's interesting. Verse six. And after that, I don't even know where I am. Oh, my, the wind blew my Bible over. Um, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Here's what Paul is saying. Jesus appeared to over 500 people at one time. Most of them are still alive. So he's riding to these people in Corinth, and he's like, if you don't believe me, go ask them for yourself. There's 500 witnesses. Now, I don't know if you know this, but like if you were in a court, and you were asking for eyewitness accounts, and you had 500 people saying the same thing, and they're like, yep, I saw him. He was dead. Oh, yeah, I saw him. I, they buried him. Oh, I saw him. He's alive. He's alive, he's alive, and 497 more times, he's alive. In, in that day, this was a irrefutable eyewitness testimony that everything that Jesus said is just like he prophesied, he predicted. Trustworthy, faithful, he's true. He appeared to the 500, he appeared, he also look what he says to James, Verse seven, then to all of the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also. This is Paul saying, Jesus appeared to me as to one abnormally born. That is very weird language in English. It's even stranger language in the original Greek that it was written in. To be abnormally born, he's saying I didn't really fit in. That is a word that literally in the Greek means either abortion or miscarriage. Some scholars think that this was an accusation that people hurled at Paul to say, who do you think you are? You're not a real apostle. You're not like Peter. You don't belong here. You're abnormally born. And you know what Paul does? He doesn't argue. He says, you're right. I'm one who's abnormally born. But the grace and the mercy of Jesus invited me in. Do you ever feel like you don't fit? Do you ever think, God, how could you love me? Well, God, for, for people who are like religious people, I understand how you could have a plan for their life, but God, how could you ever have a plan for me? And Paul says, I know what it's like to be one who doesn't feel like they fit in, but you see God's grace and his mercy, and it changes your life. And he appeared to Paul as well. And Paul experienced this grace of God in a powerful way through resurrection power. 
through um, verses 12 through 19, Paul then begins to give some arguments to say, listen, if the resurrection is true, it's a pretty dark place. If the resurrection is not true, we've got some problems. And he lists them. I put them in a slide. Paul says things like this. If the resurrection is not true, if Christ is not raised, our preaching is useless. If Christ is not raised, you're wasting your uh, time and I'm wasting my breath. But because he is raised, the preaching of Christ matters. The preaching of the resurrection matters because it instills hope in us in any circumstance. Paul says, if, the, if Christ is not raised, our faith is in vain. But he is raised, so we're saved by our faith. If Christ is not raised, Paul says, we're lying about God. But he is raised, and we're filled with truth, and the Spirit of God leads us into truth. If Christ is not raised, Paul says, we are still in our sins, but because he is raised, we can be forgiven of our sins. If Christ is not raised, Paul says, we are dead spiritually, but what we know from the Apostle Paul's teaching is we're made alive spiritually in Christ, and then lastly, if Christ is not raised, we should be pitied. That's the words he uses, not my words. We should be pitied, but because Christ is raised, we have hope, a real living hope. See, what he's saying there, we should be pitied. If Christ is not raised, people have all the reason in the world to look at us and say, what do you think you're doing being on church on Sunday morning? Don't you know the beach isn't that far away? It's a beautiful sunny day, and you're wasting your time. How pitiful. Unless Christ is raised, and this is exactly the place to be with the people of God saying, we give you the glory and we worship you, and this is what is real life and true. And we start to look at life differently. Things that are of first importance, they're priorities, they have a claim over our life. And that's why you're here, I believe. I mean, some of you are here because there's a cute girl that you're like, I just want to be at church because she's there. <laughs> Welcome. Good choice. But most of us are here because Christ has been raised and we're like, we want to know you. We need you and you're worthy of our glory. Amen? Amen. And so Paul keeps on going into this chapter, verse 55. And Paul writes this in light of the resurrection. Where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Jesus conquered death. Death is no longer to be feared it's not the end of the story. It's a new beginning we're ushered into. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Jesus conquered sin to set us free. Look at verse 57, but thanks be to God. He gives us, you and I, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory for what? Victory for life. Victory when it feels like everything is against us, that we know God is for us. Victory when it feels like anxiety is crushing our hearts, that there's a victory to know that there can be a peace that passes all understanding through Jesus. Victory in a world filled with despair to be reminded there's a hope that is real and living, and when we lean into God, we can tap into that source, no matter what we face. But the resurrection of Jesus accomplishes this victory for our lives. So there's benefits for us. I'll get there in just a moment. But there's also uh, implications on the resurrection for Jesus. Real quick, let me look at this slide. With resurrection power, here's what happens. God validates that what Jesus has said is true. What Jesus has said is true. 
Now, if you're a disciple back in the day, here's what you would have heard Jesus say over and over again. He would prophesy or predict this. He would say, listen, I know you like my miracles. I know you like my teaching. But he would say, I'm going to be betrayed. And I'm going to be arrested. Over and over again, he would say this. And he would tell his disciples, I'm gonna die. And he would say, but listen, on the third day, I'm gonna rise again. Over and over, Jesus would say this, and they would be like, you're not gonna die, and Jesus would say things like, get behind me, Satan, to Peter. He's like, no, this is going to happen, and all I wanna say is this, if someone says they're going to die over and over again, and they say they're going to be resurrected, and then they die, and they are resurrected, here's my teaching for the day. Listen to that guy. Maybe he knows something. And according to Scripture, Jesus' resurrection validates that everything he has said is true and we can trust him. Also, with resurrection power, God authenticates the deity of Jesus. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Acts, the first uh, sermon, Peter says, you all killed Jesus, but God raised him back to life and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's reigning. He's not just a man, he's a God-man. Unlike any other teacher or religious leader, he's not just a good moral teacher. He is God in human form. With resurrection power, Jesus completes the work of salvation. And with resurrection power, God reminds us Jesus is coming again. That's all concerning Jesus, but what about us? With resurrection power, what does it mean? With resurrection power for us, God gives us new birth into a living hope. We could just call this new life. Jesus has a conversation with Nicodemus uh, right before he says, or there's that famous, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And Jesus says, if anyone wants to be with me, Jesus says, they must be born again. And Nicodemus is like, how can that happen? Because Nicodemus is talking about physical things. And Jesus is talking about spiritual things. It's like, you gotta be born again. New life. You gotta be born again into new life. Maybe your life right now is filled with anxiety. Maybe your life right now is filled with despair. I was just thinking last Easter that there were people sitting in this room whose lives were filled with anxiety and their lives were filled with despair and they had no hope. But in the last 12 months, they met Jesus in a radical way. I could give you name, name, name. Their, their faces are in my, they may be right here, I don't know. Uh, and their lives have been changed because they surrendered to Jesus. New life. New life. Secondly, with resurrection power, God makes us alive. This could be called forgiven life. We don't have to be trapped in our sin. We don't have to be plagued by shame and guilt in our life. We can be given a forgiven life, a fresh start. Our relationships can be reconciled. Again, I could tell you story after story of marriage that it was over. There was no hope, and yet God brought restoration with resurrection power. You may have a relationship that you're ready to give up on, a friendship, a family relationship, and you think there's no hope. No, no, no. There's a forgiven life, and it may start with you taking responsibility today and saying, I'm sorry. And don't ever underestimate what God could do. There's, with resurrection power, God gives us eternal life. There's never-ending life. 
If we're not careful, we can be paralyzed by the fear of death. We can, uh, we can dread what may be in the future. But what we're learning here is with resurrection power, death is nothing to be feared. Like I was thinking about it early this morning. There were people sitting right over there last Easter that are no longer alive. They're, no, they're, they're not with us anymore. But I was thinking of one of my friends and I was like, you know, but here's the deal. He's not on this earth, but he's in heaven with Jesus. He's never been more alive because God gives us never ending life. And then also because of the resurrection, God gives us purpose, meaningful life. And maybe you're here and you've been wondering, is there, is there a purpose for me? Maybe in your eight, you're in your 80s and you're like, I don't, I don't know if there's purpose for me anymore. Or maybe you're 12 and you're like, I don't know what the purpose for my life is. Read the rest of 1 Corinthians 15. God gives us purpose because of the resurrection of Jesus. No life is wasted. Nobody is off limits for God to say, I want to bless your life and use your life to be a blessing to others. But the problem is it's hard for a lot of us to see this. It's hard for a lot of us to believe this because maybe we, we're wrestling with new life because we know what's in us and we're like, how could God love me? Or we're wrestling with a forgiven life because we're like, how could God forgive me? Or we're wrestling with never ending life because we're so preoccupied with things on this earth we don't even think about eternal. Or we're so, we're so like resistant to meaningful life because it feels like so much of our life has been a waste. It's not too late. With resurrection power, God wants to do a new thing. And we're gonna talk about that in a few minutes after a song, but here's what I wanna say right now. But here's where it starts. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never gotten a new life, it starts there. If you've never been forgiven, it starts there. If you've never taken a step of faith to say, God, I need you, it starts there. Romans 5 is a passage, again, the Apostle Paul writes, in verse eight, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, get this, still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what I think this means. God doesn't look at us and say, if you'll get your life straight, if you'll start behaving better, then I'll love you and Jesus' sacrifice will mean something for you. No, no, it means in that while we were still sinners, in our sin, God is reaching out to rescue us. It's inviting us in. Romans 10, Paul writes these words. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God has, what? The resurrection. Raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. If God wants to save us, forgive us of our sins, give us a new life, give us a never-ending life and a meaningful life, and it can start today. And here's how it starts. It starts by receiving and receiving is as simple as praying and inviting. There's no magical formula. There's no like mysterious thing, abracadabra kind of thing to say. It is if your heart is sincere and you want God in your life, you pray simple words to God to invite him in. Would you pray with me right now? And I wanna lead some of you in because that's where you're at. You're, you're feeling that today. And if that's you, I want you to just pray with me. Could we close our eyes here? Some of you need to simply pray this. God, I need you. Jesus, I believe that you are the Lord. 
and that you were raised to new life. Please forgive me of my wrongs. I give you my life. Just with our eyes closed, I wonder, is there somebody that you prayed that prayer today for the first time? You, you mean it. This doesn't mean you have all the answers, but you mean that prayer when you pray. Would you just slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Or like, Aaron, I prayed that prayer. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. God bless you. Anybody else? Raise them high so I can see my eyesight's failing. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, we thank you that when we pray, you hear, you listen. I thank you for these men and women, these young people who said, today I'm asking you to have your way. God, I just pray that as we sit in these moments that you would remind them of your love and your grace. I pray that you would meet them, everyone who prayed that prayer, meet them in this moment with the assurance of your spirit and the assurance that you've heard their prayer move in their lives, God.